Polis, Thousand Year Old Vampire, and Taming Gaming. This is Staying In. Right, right, gentlemen, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you your note, your note. I'm going to go for the note that my uh, dishwasher is currently vibrating at. So it will seamlessly blend into the recording. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that might be a bit high. Oh, I've had, I think has anyone else just had the playing music notification <laughs> come up on that Zoom? <laughs> no, actually, my mine wasn't tuneful enough, but me doing an impression of a car horn was. Um, by the way, that's all been fixed. Staying in, fans. has it? Yeah, you sorted now. Six hundred quid. I'm sure the neighbours are happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. No, no, Pete, Pete, it's still going on. It's just now in ultrasound. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so mm, 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 happy birthday. That might be too. Uh, mm, 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 happy. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. Uh, Everyone round the room. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Oh, this is gonna sound good. This is birthday to you. Happy birthday, I'll harmonise. Happy birthday, and many more. <laughs> <laughs> you, my uh, my favourite thing about the and and many more is it is pitched in a way as if if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> there might be a few more of these. If you're lucky, Dan. How did you celebrate? Well, uh, I I I woke up in the morning. There's birds kind of tweeting outside my window. Um, mm-hmm. I I left the house. I kind of skipped down the road. Uh, I enjoyed all the wonderful things you can do out and about in the wonderful world. I went mm-hmm. to lots of parties and restaurants and pubs. Did mm-hmm. lots of lovely things. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I remembered I can't do any of those things, mm-hmm. and so I uh, walked back inside. Mm-hmm. Um, sat on my sofa yep. and had a nice relaxing day fortunately nice. uh uh one of my children still had to go to nursery which meant i didn't have to we didn't have to look him after him during the day so it could be a bit more relaxed than it would have been had i had mm. two children in the house mm-hmm. uh but yeah i just kind of relaxed all day we had plans to do like certain things or like play games stuff like that but we ended up just me and my wife just relaxing the entire day and had a lovely time well that sounds nice that sounds it, that it, sounds it, it was this... actually it was actually nice as 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 nice as it is always to do something special on a birth unfortunately circumstances dictated that that was not possible but even even so it it wasn't the worst thing in the world to just have a nice relaxing day with mm. kind of at home with my wife who's still on maternity leave my five-month-old uh, daughter and then later on First thing in the morning with my three-year-old boy and later on in the evening with my three-year-old boy. So Aww. we all did have lots of fun. He was very excited about opening presents because I had quite a few presents to open up uh, first thing in the morning. And he's lovely that he gets very, very excited about any presents. They don't have to be for him. He doesn't get jealous or anything. He's just so excited that someone is getting presents. That's good. So he constantly wants to bring me the presents and open them with me. And then he'll move on. He doesn't, he doesn't care that they're not for him. I got some. I got some lovely presents. Uh, I've got some some nice uh, items of clothing. I got yep. some mm. books. I got mm. some nice gadgets. Um, mm. Gadgets I got because I'm trying to do my exercise, but I can't go running at the moment. Um, so I've got a smart skipping rope. Um, what? Yep. Yeah, they do these now. A smart skipping rope. 
which will link to an app on your phone and will record how much, how many rotations of skipping you do. So you can set yourself challenges and kind of compete against yourself. Um, and so yeah, that, that, that works. I actually tried it and that works. I also realized I don't know how to skip. <laughs> skipping is much harder than I thought it was. Here's my question to you, Dan. Do you do skipping like a boxer does skipping, like in in like in the like in in the like in one place, jumping up and down, trying to like you know, essentially like that? Or do you do skipping like down the road, like like? Or do you get people to hold either end of the skipping rope yeah, and they yeah, sing yeah. a song as you like I'm off jump? To Jenny's house. I, I was doing the, the exercise version of skipping, which is oh, where you boring. skip from one spot and you just kind of jump <laughs> up and down. You don't kind of jump through the, the kind of the rope as it comes around. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, traditionally, you don't lose any calories doing that. Yeah. Exactly. And, Dan, and Dan, is this, Dan, is this wireless? This is, this is all wireless, <laughs> other than, you know, the wire. Uh, but yeah, so I got that. I, got the, I, I also got some very, very, very lovely presents from you fine gentlemen oh oh uh, this is where pete goes of course i know what these are of course i know what they are uh so i so i got um a game for my ps5 I, you you kindly bought me spider-man miles morales which will be kind of the first proper ps5 game i will play the only proper kind of kind of official ps5 game i've played is um astro's playroom which i loved but it's it is just kind of a built-in demo so i'm really looking forward to playing that and you also, I believe we've spoken about this previously on the podcast, and I was very excited to receive this gift the day before, was a, uh, a box um, from a company and a, mm-hmm. and a restaurant um, mm-hmm. near, near and dear to Sam's heart, because it's, it's mm-hmm. near his neck of the woods, uh, <laughs> called Rudy's Pizzeria. And they okay. deliver kind of homemade, stone-baked uh, pizzas, which you can just pop in the oven for kind of, about 20 minutes and i have to say they are some of the best pizzas i have had in a long time and whoa if there's one food that i feel like i can kind of judge yeah you're a connoisseur yeah that's kind of my kind of my uh food of choice and they were absolutely superb um Mm. so thank you very much uh to all of you for sending me sending me them So, uh, we are in a, as time of recording, we're currently in a lockdown, mm, which means uh, on the weekends, I have tons of alone time. <laughs> oh. But something about lockdown, it's made me hyper aware of what I like to call Chris's consumption to creativity ratio. And it's how essentially, I, I'm, I'm hyper aware of how much I consume content. All right, yep. I was thinking food. All right, okay. Oh, that's yeah. good. oh that goes without saying. I, I was thinking chart, consumption, as in like you know the thing that you used to get locked away into a sanitarium with in the nineteenth century. Oh, he's got he's got the consumption. Sorry, oh, he's got consumption. <laughs> mm. He's gen- not got the- enough creativity. He's got way too much consumption the, the catch-all the catch-all term for we don't know what this is we, we don't know what this is <laughs> look it's the 19th century we don't know what's going on it's an umbrella term have you have you ever have you ever watched uh it was an excellent i think it was hbo series it was called the knicker 
The Nick. Well, no, the Nick. The Nick. The Nick. Um, with Clive Owen. With Clive okay. Owen. It was it was a, a drama series set in a hospital just after the First World War. One of the ones. And it was it's incredible because it's set just at the time where like medicine sort of tips over in becoming like a spurious like type of magic and alchemy into yeah. actual science. Yeah. So they're just like figuring out that you know people have different types of blood so that's why blood transfusions don't go well and they're figuring out like maybe we should wash our hands before surgery <laughs> that kind of thing yeah. and there's and there's a bit in it where because obviously it's an american hospital the knickerbocker and there's this guy comes around and he's and he's in like and he's pitching this new equipment that he's got and he's got oh i've got this machine that will let you see inside people they're like, oh my god, that's crazy, and he goes, yeah, yeah, it just like, and he shows up an e- what we now know of as an X-ray, and um, like all the there's like um, all the nurses are like gaggling around this salesman and just like, oh, I want to go, I want to go, do it to my head, because and he goes, <laughs> plonks her down into a chair and goes, right, sit there for an hour, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, also, and obviously we now know that X-rays are potentially probably not, probably not best to be pointed at a head for an hour. No, isn't that how Doctor Manhattan was created in Watchmen? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so this so. I'm glad you clarified, Pete, because you're absolutely right. I should clarify it. When I'm talking about consumption, I'm talking about content that I absorb, other right, people's yeah, creative yeah, yes. work. So yeah, that could be Disney Plus, like we're getting towards the end of WandaVision, for example, mm. which I am consuming. Uh, it could be novels, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Great. And I'm hyper aware of the fact that how often sometimes I'm binging other people's creativity, but I'm not creating anything myself. Yes. And so I'm, I'm trying to get that balance down between those two things, really. Um, so I am kind of drawing, I'm, I'm making stuff. I've got my own kind of creative projects, whether it be kind of artwork or kind of stuff I'm writing in the moment. But um, I found something that actually was a gift that Sam got me as part of our Secret Santa this year, which well, has got that sweet spot slapped down the middle. Imagine that Venn diagram yep, of creativity yep. and consumption, not that kind, this kind, and they overlap. <laughs> And right at the centre of that nexus point is this uh, game that is a thousand-year-old vampire Ooh. from two, 2019 from Tim Hutchings. It's a solo role-playing game, which is what I asked for Christmas, and Santa very kindly bought it for me he did. in the guise of Sam. Ho, ho, ho. And I'm on a bit of a, a kind of a, a craze with these at the moment, these solo RPGs. Mm. Um, Sam and I backed The Wretched on Kickstarter. Yeah, mm. I started playing that recently, and... It's it's in. I actually freaked myself out during a lunch break playing it because it's like this. Essentially, it's like this solo sci-fi horror RPG that you play, and the idea is is that you are the last member of this crew left on this ship called the Wretched, and you've got to try and find some way to uh, send a signal out to be rescued, but there might also be something in the ship that's stalking you. And how the game works, the mechanics work, is that you're meant to have what the manual loving describes, a tumble tower. Um, <laughs> uh, so a bit like Dread, is the, the, the tumble tower, the Jenga tower, is meant to represent the state of your ship. So if at any point you're asked to take a pull from the tower and it falls, your ship collapses. And then the rest of the game is done by a pack of uh, playing cards. So... Basically, you draw from the deck and depending on what the suit is and what the number is, you perform certain actions 
like in the ship you'll go and fix something or oh you'll notice a rifle being held by one of your dead colleagues and it'll ask you like a question about like how you feel about that how did you fix this kind of stuff and the prompts are incredibly creative and driven to really like get you to start inhabiting this role and i decided for some reason to listen to um the it follows soundtrack by disaster oh, such piece. a good score and i i really started like there was this bit where i flipped over a card it's like you hear a noise and see marks in the walls and i was like oh god <laughs> yeah it's the wretched is is really really good i really freaked myself out playing it but it was it was great but what Sam says there is, for me, the quintessential draw and lure of these kind of experiences, because a solo RPG is mm. essentially like, it's a role-playing game, but you are you are kind of working with a kind of um, a piece of text which acts as a series of prompts that can ask interesting questions that are kind of prompting you into thinking about character creation, development, making difficult choices, and that's what you have here. So if The Wretched is about being the last survivor on this ship where something might be stalking you, in a thousand-year-old vampire, it's kind of in the title, you chronicle, and as the game accounts for it, the unlife of a vampire of your own creation from beginning all the way to what I assume will be the end over this kind of long <laughs> period of time. Because <laughs> I, I've not, I'm still playing, I should say. Mm-hmm. And it's it, what I love about it in particular is it's a, it's a lovely kind of, if you buy the physical version of it, it's this beautiful, looks like this wonderful kind of ex-library book yeah. with these kind of immaculate kind of beautiful kind of drawings in it. And you feel like you're part of a mythos before you even put pen to paper or um, fingers to keyboard, say, for example. And you are keeping a journal of your experiences of being a vampire. Uh, you have a 10-sided dice, a D10, a 6-sided dice, a D6. You roll the two of them. You deduct the results of the D6 from the D10, and that tells you how far ahead or how far back you go through the prompts. Hmm. And it asks these really interesting questions. And to start off with, as your character is just developing, all they have is a few sets of skills, some resources, some kind of mortal characters around them, a mark and a few memories. But after a while, you know, as this starts to grow and build the choices become harder for you to try and answer because you're aware of the repercussions of them. And it may sound like it's becoming quite a big, unwieldy thing, but it's got this wonderful little element of it that allows you to kind of pick up and play it. And that's this this idea of the memories, because obviously you are a character that is living for a prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. You cannot remember everything. <laughs> so you actually have a memory quota. And you can have a diary, which you can kind of kind of jettison some of those memories off into, which I don't tend to use that much. I'm quite liking the idea of using my character. <laughs> but it means then that actually if you've met your quota and you're asked to put in another memory in, you've got to choose, okay, which memory do I lose? Mm-hmm. And in some instances, that prompt will say, look, you need to lose a memory now or you need to lose a character that's close to you. Or you wake up and like it's a, long, a long time has passed. All living characters are now removed from your memory. Yeah, you've slept in for 200 years, like... And so like, um, and these kind of questions are really interesting. Like I played it today and I had the prompt, which was a character you victimized comes to you in a dream. Do they curse or forgive you? And that is two sentences, one question. Mm. But I was pondering that for quite a long time. And I know some people play this game with, they have a nice little notebook they have specially for it. I use a Word document because for me at the moment, that idea of redacting, I'm not deleting the memories. I'm actually shading them out. I'm redacting them because I, and I'm, I'm putting them all in this higgledy piggledy way. And I'm looking forward to later on. This is me personally, you know, unredacting everything and just seeing, 
just this entire person's life, all their, you know, all the stuff they've forgotten, you know, including their own name at times, you know, poured out onto paper. I think the interesting thing about all of these solo RPGs, especially the the sort of like, um, I would say, to be clear, like the, the sort of journaling ones, like the, crea- yeah. the creative focus ones, because I know there are people who try and play role-playing games, like traditional role-playing games, solo by using something like um i think it's called mythic or something like that it's four four against darkness is the one that i've played okay so so there's stuff like that but there's also like ways of playing like dungeon dragons 5e with a with essentially like a virtual games master that has ah, right. a book and a table and all sort of stuff mm-hmm. and i've never kind of seen the appeal of, of that specifically i think the really cool thing about these is i think i've said this before on the podcast but like one of the one of the, one of the things i find most terrifying <laughs> is like <laughs> A blank piece of paper and an infinite number of things I can do like because immediately I'm just like well I have no idea what I want to do next hmm. whereas with these journaling RPGs like you're you know if somebody turned around to, to to you Chris and said like you need to make a story about a vampire and this is what they do and like and like a, a, a huge amount of information about what their life is that's actually quite a daunting thing to do whereas when you get all these prompts it's it, it fires off the you know, it fires off the the, the brain and, and and the creative part of the brain in lots and lots of different directions, which I find kind of like freeing, weirdly constricting by being freeing. You know what I mean? But it's it's really interesting because going back to my original point about this this sweet spot between creativity and consumption, not that one, this one. Yeah. This idea that I, I look forward to it in the same way that I'm looking forward to catching up on my latest episode or something, even mm. though I'm I'm kind of waiting on myself to be the one that writes it. So it's really interesting that I can kind of have my cake and eat it, really. I'm able to enjoy the process as an audience member, looking forward to where this series will go, you know, this book will go, but, uh, but equally also as a creator, feeling like I've accomplished something and I've done something that is unique to anyone else playing the game. Because I know, mm-hmm. Sam, you also own the game as well now. I do. Like, you know, even though we'll have, Sam and I may touch upon some of the same prompts, because you're rolling the dice, it means that Sam and I will encounter them in all in a different order. And here's what's really lovely as well. And I think one of the reasons why is this genius. There are 80 prompts in the book, but as some listeners may have realized, if you're rolling the dice, there's a good chance you may end up going back to a number you've already been to. Well, what's clever about that is that each number, pretty much most of the numbers has free prompts within it. So if you, you know, I just do a little tick and pencil to say I've done this one. So I end up going back to that number. I just do the next one below it. And there's something about revisiting that. You get that sense of a chronology of moving forward, but also this is about memory. So at times this vampire is going to reflect back on previous stuff that has kind of niggled away at them. And I, it just feels really lovely it feels quite sad it's quite moving at times and it's not that there are some elements of the macabre and the creepiness of it but it's very much bram stoker's dracula rather than mm-hmm. gattis and moffat's dracula if that makes sense yeah you know it's it's mm-hmm. the kind of and you know and i'm really glad because initially when i got this i'm thinking ah generally in the vampire narratives i tend to prefer beyond the side of the vampire slayer but this this process i can kind of decide what kind of vampire i want to be and that's been really lovely. It's actually made me have a newfound appreciation for this type of character. Mm. So you don't have to be totally invested and wedded to the kind of vampire mythos, really. You can just have a passing interest. It's as much a story about loss, memory, regrets, mm-hmm. and the people you meet in life and and those kinds of encounters and the values of those kind of encounters than it is about, you know, sucking blood. The, the manual is exceptional. Like, it's one of the best, like, gaming... Yeah 
RPG Definitely. manuals I've I've ever read. Like the amount of support it gives you, and the creative license it gives you is really good. So when it talks about resources, like it says, this can be anything from a bank to a sailing ship to a book, and then it and then it asks you to pick someone who who's undead who's immortal so you get three mortals and one immortal and that immortal makes you into a vampire and that kind of basically kicks a whole process off so that's so that's how it starts but it's up to you when you want to start that's where you want to start that setting who that person is as a character to begin with um and who like his their family members and like what they start off as before they turn into a vampire when you create an RPG character, you don't really know what character they are until you actually encounter something that helps define them as a character. Right. So you can write all the backstory you want, but until they actually like face up against a monster or face up against a decision, that's when like the things that make them who they are, just like you as a human being, coalesce and suddenly you find out what the real you is. Um the reason a thousand year vampire works is that you're immediately make you you spend all this time making a character and it's not like you're wandering around for days and then suddenly you finally you finally find like this big adventure or this big decision you got to make the first thing that happens to you as a character is you're now a vampire how do you yeah. feel about this so it's just like well i better <laughs> that that makes it very very yeah. easy to it, find what my know. character is there isn't that chapter in Bram Stoker's Dracula where he's just just on the toilet. You know, <laughs> it's, it, you know, when you're writing a play, you you it, like when you're writing any kind of narrative, it's about okay, this is the life of this character. Which bits do I want to draw attention to? Yeah. For the, and and in in lots of kind of Greek tragedies in particular, you'd have what's called the late point of attack, where the play begins after a main event has already happened. Yeah, sure, right. That, and that's you, the key. That's the key always for me. Is like. The best dramas are funny, and you encounter it after the the event has happened. Like that's that makes like the best dramas uh, and the best characters. There's a there's a, I think the other the other bit of beauty that solo RPGs tend to have in that way is that that you're not you're not bound by what everybody else is doing or what the GM is running. So one yes. of the things that um one of the reasons that we ran Basic Fantasy by just saying like I just want a single line of, of backstory because it doesn't matter right like right now is because I didn't want to do uh, what's called which is uh, something that is um, increasingly popular which is something called a session zero so session zeros are there where usually uh, I mean quite often groups of like strangers who have got together to play an RPG online or, or, or you know in a, in a you know in a, a friendly local game store that kind of thing they will actually sit down and figure out who their characters are as a group because one of the other issues with coming up with characters separately before a, a thing begins is, you know, um, I did this when I played an RPG with a, a different group years and years and years ago. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'm sorry. No, let's skip over that. Uh, the, you play games um, with other people. I know, I'm, I know, I know, I know. Um, this is, I'm using this forum to, to, to tell you, Dan. Um, the you know i wrote this amazingly long backstory about this character who you know i can't even remember what it was it was like they went to sea and they you know they they saw this and they had a you know bad, in a beautiful bad... pea green boat yeah exactly and it was a it was a it was you know they had a great family but then there was a tragedy and all this sort of stuff and you know all this kind of stuff and and then like we started the thing and 
none of that there's no way to bring any of that up in the story that was being told so it was like oh right like it's just it's it was pointless like imagine if imagine if you were like watching a movie um and like they just spent you know they just spent an hour of like okay here's all of the things that happened in this person's life anyway that doesn't really matter uh because um you know uh, then they find then they find a transforming robot in a junkyard like you know it's it, yeah it, it really you know uh, that was the first movie that came to mind by the way uh, i couldn't think of any other <laughs> bumblebee um, or transformers I, I thought what is the best narrative that i know and i was like transformers 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 someone on twitter said that i should try uh stevie is typing dot 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 at games 247 247 probably um said that um this is this is off the back of uh, this is off the back of me talking about me playing the wretched and they recommended gentleman bandit which hmm. is um all these games i think i think i know the wretched is um thousand year old vampire is they're all on itch.io yeah mm-hmm. um at very reasonable prices uh, gentleman bandit was like seven quid Hmm. Probably a bit less actually, because it was seven dollars, and it's a solo poem writing game. And essentially, what what it is is it works in the same way that the Wretched does. Is that you play as a gentleman bandit in the old west, and you are writing a thirteen line poem. So a bit like the Wretched, you're drawing cards from a deck in order to get the prompts for what you need, and. So the suit of the deck gives you like what they call like a motif. So loss, love, freedom, and fear. Then the um, the number of the card gives you what they call like a matter. So for example, an ace is what drives you or five is what is your darkest truth. And basically you do each line that way. So you draw 13 cards and each line has a motif and is constituated of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do with that matter and then you write 13 lines and that's and that's it you just create a little poem for yourself based on the character that you just create on the spot that's lovely it's isn't that gorgeous and it's it's it's, its own really self-contained nice. thing and there's, yeah. lo- there's something i quite like and it goes back to what dan was saying before about the less is more there's so much held within those 13 lines mm-hmm. the weirdest thing to happen to me was that i went to bed with a rule book for three nights in a row but that's—I don't, I don't know if that's unusual or Is this for a just... board game or yes. Okay, <laughs> not my how to use a Makita version three what, hammer. What what screwdriver? Why are you going to, to? Why are you taking it to bed for so uh, many nights? Uh, I took it. I took it as a personal challenge when Cosmos got in touch with me and yeah. said. <laughs> would you would you like us to send you the game Polis? Okay. Um, I'm paraphrasing here when they said something along the lines of, "We didn't think you would like it because it might be too heavy," and I took that as a personal challenge. Do, do um, they just think that you're sort of like slightly weak armed? <laughs> is that is that what it is? They're just like, oh no, he well, you shouldn't go into the post office and pick that up. You won't be able to carry it. <laughs> Well, when it arrived, it is, I mean, it is absolutely gargantuan. It's huge. It's the biggest. It's definitely the heaviest box I own. It's bigger than Jaws of the Lion. If you go to our Instagram page, you'll see uh, me unboxing that on my table. Sam, Sam, I'm looking at pictures of this on BGG (laughs) and I am upset with you. Like this is, this is. Why? 
because this is this is a heavy looking game this looks like a crunchy ass game like like i i was yeah. like polis surely can't refer to the you know the the essentially the greek word for the people the 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 voting Actually, people no it means the city but uh the polis is everything that makes up the voting population i believe well i just did a greek to english translation for mm. polis and it came up with city so isn't it lovely when you know exactly what's going to get cut? Yeah, it is good, isn't it? It is good. Yeah, you know exactly what it's going to be. All right, well, I'm going to double check that at some point. But um, this, this, I mean, this looks, this, this looks he- heavy. This is like, this is like lots of cubes and a big mm-hmm. old looking rule book and a map mm-hmm. of Greece and neighboring islands. And mm-hmm. why did they yeah. send this to you uh, it's, and not it's- to me? Oh, there we get to the crux of it. <laughs> All dead this is, this is This is what he's really worrying yeah. about. He took, he took the long road round, but he finally what? got it to his destination. Well, taking the long road round, funny enough, Dan, is part of Polis's, <laughs> Polis's strategy. Um, well, this, to, to be fair, after me and Chris had finished playing this, you, Pete, were the f- was the first person that, that sprang to mind in terms of, like, I would really love to sit him down and introduce this game to him because it's we've all played assassin's creed odyssey it's basically like assassin's creed odyssey let's do the politics cool Um, (laughs) cool i'm on board i'm on board uh, it's it's actually running the civilization that fueled the uh the central war that is appears in assassin's creed odyssey so it's a two-player now it's it's kind of called like a war game like the guy from Devere in the in the video that I watched says it's a war game, but I disagree. I I think it's more like almost like a civilization game um, because it's strictly two players. So one player plays as the Greeks, the other player plays as the Spartans, and you are in charge of running that civilization whilst they are at war with each other. So you are responsible for feeding a population. You're responsible for making sure that your armies are well supplied. You're responsible for making sure that there are market routes for you to use um, uh, around around the islands of and the Greece and the neighbouring isles. You're responsible for making sure that your armies are in the right place to defend um, areas and poli that... Um, that that you control and yeah so it's more it is more it's not really a war game and it is more of like a, a civilization style game like as as the the two players the the greeks and the spartans you are controlling the civilizations whilst they are at war so you're responsible for the populations of the the, the cities that you conquered you're responsible for making sure that there are market lines open so your traders can sell all the goods and the resources that you're growing you're making sure that your armies are properly stocked so that the that you've got enough boats in the oceans to defend yourself from from attack like all of this stuff is going on and that's what makes it a very heady and heavy experience that Every single thing you do in this game has a consequence, and that is what makes it superb. And I think I loved every second that I played that I played on it. It's it's actually for for a very um, 
for what on the outset looks like a very complex and um, heavy game, it actually does play quite simply on your go. All you can do is two actions. Admittedly, you've got a list of 11 to pick from, but, you know, by the by. Um, and then you, the other player takes two actions. Then you take two, and they take two, and it continues until one of you passes. And you do that three times, basically, and that is the game. The other thing that makes this game such a wonderful thing to play is it's actually a reprint. So I think this originally came out in 2013, and it was um, it's by a designer called Fran Diaz, who at the time of recording, Polis is the highest rated board game on BGG by a Spanish um, author. Hmm. So already it's exceedingly highly regarded and people were like calling for a reprint. For, for ages so Devere took it up to do it and luckily they put in a lot of effort in terms of like refining actually what the game was it wasn't just like a straight reprint and you know we'll make things look a bit flashier or we'll make the wood a bit nicer they actually rewrote the rule book um, they took away one resource from the game and they also took away one round it used to be a four round game which is about four hours so they like streamlined a lot of the experience and also, and this is really adorable, in the video that I watched, they also defined it as cat-proof. So um, as Pete rightly said, like most of the game is defined by these little cubes that you have. Mm-hmm. And the being a, a civilization-style game, it's basically resource management. You can only do what you have the resources to do in terms of you know, your city. You can only make a soldier if you've got the iron to make the armor for them. You can only build a boat if you've got the wood to craft the boat from so but all of these wooden cubes now sit in rather than on a sheet which is what it was previously they now sit in all these like indented little squares recesses yeah recesses um and it makes it incredibly satisfying to manage and move those those resources you know when a game like this has a lot of complexity around quite a simple like gaming action like to make that actual physical action as tactile and as like responsive and give you that feedback makes it just gives it a bit of that extra like spice to the game it makes it really enjoyable to play so so you know we've been you've been saying you know this is quite a heavy game you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's creeping up there to like a getting towards a four on 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 bgg which is which is so for for perspective like probably advanced squad leader is is around there the starter set is around there which i know is quite dense civilization the board game not the new hex one but the old uh, the old one yeah uh, that is up there around that sort of thing and i know that that's complex and you were saying that you know this game takes a fair number of hours but there's only a really a few turns so where does the where does the time why are you spending so much time on it if there's so few turns and there's so few actual choices but also where does the complexity come in if if essentially all you have is is a selection of you know a list of things that you can do so for me it's that plurality of choices secondly also it's a game that yes there is a degree of area control within it but i like the way that we played it sam which is mm-hmm. where you and i together would talk about the possible choices that each other could make and a lot of the a lot of the time was spent pete and i don't know if this was just because the first time we played it through and we were kind of learning as we were going but i like the way in which we played it 
it didn't feel overly antagonistic. It never felt that like, oh, Sam's running away of it here. We're in the middle of the second round. I'm just going to have to wait here and watch while I'm just slowly reduced to nothing. There was never really that. I liked the problem of going, oh, well, I want to do that. Oh, hang on, I haven't got the resources here. But because you've got this beautiful, Sam says, and it looks quite daunting. You've got these scales, these kind of, for the different resources. <laughs> Not literally. Yeah. And, but it's actually moving cubes across. It's going, well, if I do that, I can spend that resource here, which allows me to do that. And you've got that game plan planning ahead that is where the time hmm. you know so that's where you, that's what takes up the time and it's not antagonistic oh i suppose some people can play it but sam was playing a sparta he wasn't like kicking me into a hole in his garden or anything like that we were having this nice kind of conversation back and forth hmm. and there was just enough differences between our respective cultures not just in terms of the territories we own but in terms of the resources we started with to make it feel as if we weren't just copying each other, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Every time, yeah, yeah. There's the 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 the, the, the sort of the majority of the crux of the game surrounds these things called like you've got the the sort of general resources, like as I said, like iron and wood and wheat, and then you've got like this primary resource which is called like prestige, and you need prestige to do anything that in, anything that is slightly to do with your military. So if you want to move your army or move your galleys or lay siege to a uh, a city or if you want like the city that you own that you own to go out and gather resources for you which your army will do for you you need prestige and at the start of the game that's a very limited resource like you start off with literally two prestige so even though the game is really complex you're always it's always asking you to be thinking about Right, how are you going to get prestige? How are you going to get the stuff that you need to do the stuff that you want? And because there's 11 things to pick from, but it's just like, right, I've not got enough prestige to do that. So therefore, I need to collect some resources. Right, how am I going to collect resources? Oh no, that that ocean pathway is blocked by Chris's, um, Chris's boat. So I can't send my merchant there. I've got to send them somewhere else. Everything has a consequence. And it means that... That yes, there are moments when you get stuck in a bit of analysis paralysis where you're just like, I don't know what to do. But then there's also moments where you're just fizzing around the table going, right, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there. I'm going to trade this. I'm going to move that. And then on my next turn, I'm going to have enough to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And the game always makes sense in some sort of logical way. Like, as I said... If you want to do something with your military, it takes prestige. And that kind of makes sense. Like it takes your governance as a ruler to get your armies to do stuff to do stuff for you. When you lay siege to a, a polis, yeah, you get some prestige points, but now you've got a population to feed. So mm. now you've got to go and get wheat to feed this population or else when the turn ends and you've got to start feeding them, you're going to be in trouble. So instead of keeping them as a population, you can turn them into an army and send them off therefore limiting the need for wheat later on in the game everything has this love it's almost like a it's almost like a newton's cradle like everything has this lovely little like back and forth back and forth mm. back and forth where the consequences of what you're doing is always knocking up against each other and as and as chris said like again maybe we were playing it wrong but it was really enjoyable just as a pair of people who love playing games and especially 
games like this which are quite complex and like discovering that together mm. and being like well you could do that and i could do this and we can move around and yeah we might battle once or twice i think we only had one <laughs> i think we only had one battle but that was just because i wanted to see what would happen yeah but it was just a really nice thing to discover and a really compelling puzzle to share with someone to someone else and i just thought that first when the game ended i thought as i said like i really want to play it again and like pete i think you would just from a design point of view and from a gameplay point of view i think mm. you would just love to like pull this apart and just be like this is so incredibly clever and insightful and it genuinely feels like something different to other games like this that i've that i've played and it's got these really nice touches in there not only does it have like a marketplace where mm -hmm. the paucity for certain items can increase the, the cost for them which i've seen in you know you've seen lots oh, of other yes, games of course which is a great which is another sliding scale where i'm thinking oh well you know i you know mm -hmm. I, I i'm one of these people and i'm in an economics game i'm not very good at planning too far ahead like i don't have much from reserves i plan for everything so i use every single cube for want of a better word that i have to do exactly what i need mm -hmm. but if say sam has i don't know i think grapes is something you can get from the market if sam has particularly increased the value of grapes wine, by yes. just one wine by one cube that can kind of scupper my entire plan but rather than getting too cross and frustrated again i like thinking well there is another solution it's just it isn't this yeah. one yet now and another thing I really, really love is say if Sam chose to, to pass, he hands me a token. Suddenly now, I can carry on if I want to, but everything costs he can one. Take, Chris, Chris can yeah. take all the actions he wants to. He can take two action, the, two of the same action in a row, which you can't do on your normal turn. It sounds like a wonderful thing. Why but. isn't everyone doing it? But because, because <laughs> when Sam hands me that token, it says that I have to pay one extra resources or is it a prestige point, Sam? I can't one remember. One extra resource. For everything I for want everything to do, that you want to do, and yeah. I never once did I ever carry on. I always like, yeah, I'm going to pass as well because that one resource, the way I was planning it, was crucial, and it's just something really lovely. It's like, yeah, you can carry on if you want. You think you've got the advantage, but actually, I'm just giving you enough of a disadvantage to make you question, and that's why you take a long time. It's not that I'm agonising waiting for Sam to take his go. It's actually thinking, okay. Right, if he does that, then I'll just do this. And no, hang on, but if he does that, then I will just do this, this instead. And that will affect me. So I'm I'm thinking just as much as Sam is when he's taking his go, which I which is something I really love. And those three hours, they flew by. Mm. They genuinely yeah. did. It's pretty watertight from a design point of view. Like there is there is I find it I always appreciate when there's a game that always gives you something to do as a player. Yeah. Like there's nothing more frustrating than sitting down and it's just like, well, there's nothing I can do this turn. So, mm, well, I'll just get another wood or something. Yeah. Whereas the more the more we kind of discussed it between us two, Chris would, sometimes Chris would see there and be like, oh, I've got no prestige points. I can't do that. And I'll just be like, well, you could do this. And it'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, I can do this. And then that'll let me do that. And then this will let me do this. Like there was always a way. There was always a different path or a different river to go down metaphorically in terms of like to try and reach the, the, the point that you were trying to get to. It's exceeding, exceedingly good game. And I think that obviously like your mileage might vary in terms of like what kind of games that you're interested in. Oh, sure. I think you could easily look at some pictures on BGG and immediately know, yeah. yeah, this sounds like the game for me or nope, thank you. But I think if you pick it up, you will not be disappointed. Not at all.
Does, do any of you have you any of you heard of the the website Taming Gaming? Now this is a website, uh, Sam. That I think you might uh, come to enjoy in time to come. Um, it's a website that I've been aware of for a while, but mm. I've not really kind of been able to kind of engage with it all that much. Um, it's basically a uh, video game database, uh, but based around family and kind of based around games, not necessarily for kids, um, but looking at games from a parental point of view. Um, and it's kind of a lot of the reviews and a lot of the content on there is kind of uh, written by parents. So it's, I look at it and I always recommend, I've recommended it to people in the past because kind of adults who perhaps don't play games, but their kids want to play games. And so they don't really know how to kind of manage that process because they're not, I mean, obviously we understand video games. So we understand kind of, kind of the pitfalls, what to look for, what not, what to avoid, where to advise, what's suitable for kids, what's not suitable for kids. Um, but a lot of people aren't kind of a fair with that kind of thing. And so they have, this website kind of goes through all that. And I've just, I've been aware of it for, for quite a long time. It's, it's run by a guy called um, uh, Andy Robertson, um, who's, I think, on Twitter, he's Geek Dad Gamer, I think. He, he runs uh, TamingGaming.com, which is the family video game database. And I just, what I, I kind of, I thought of it recently, because obviously Sam, in, in some, in years to come, uh, you, I'm sure, will be looking forward to playing games with your little boy. And so what I what I really, really like about this website is they obviously have kind of reviews, um, not so much reviews, it's kind of descriptions of games. So they'll talk to you about the content of the game. So they go, obviously, narrative, spoilers, or anything like that. it's about the content so people can understand it. But they have a section on there called lists. And what's really lovely is they will have lists based on certain themes and topics which especially for younger children is really useful so they might have things like uh let me see because i just did make a list so they'll have things like looking at relationships so games which will guide a child to be, be a good neighbor or looking at loneliness especially kind of within lockdown like easing loneliness between generations and how games can do that and obviously we as as huge fans of the of the medium we've we've known for kind of years that games aren't just what the Daily Mail would tell you games are. Uh, they can be pieces of art. They can bring people together. They can be shooty, shooty, fighty, fighty. But they are so much more than that. And so the kind of you can look at ideas of loneliness. There's there's games on there you look at where it's about teaching children to count or teach people to children to read or just cooking or it's a and kind of embracing emotions. Now obviously it's not just for kids. Games like I, I checked in the search like last of us is on there it's it, it's obviously highlighting the fact that it's 18 plus it's not suitable all this different stuff but all these games are on there but they're looked at through that parental point of view and i'm i'm coming to the point now where my little boy is kind of three and a half um he might start playing games soon he plays kind of he's got uh on a on like he'll play on on the ipad there's like cbb's games and he does play those and he likes those and he does all plays them uh, they're very simple games, but he will really enjoy playing them. And so in kind of in a fairly short time, he can kind of make a transition to, I'm not saying complex games, but more games outside of simply kind of move a kind of a sprite from one side of a screen to another. Um, and that's kind of, that's where kind of I've been really enjoying seeing those things and be able to plan for the future in terms of things I could look at. I mean, and there are games on there that kind of, that I only found from this. So 
a game we've been playing got kind of recommended actually by um, Andy Robson on Twitter. It's called Fancade. And we've got many genres, I think, of games on this podcast. Uh, uh, whether it's breakfast games or mm-hmm. I think lunch break games is our newest genre, which we will cover mm-hmm. at a later date because that's mm-hmm. a, a very, very good genre, I think. Um, but obviously, I think everyone has experienced the idea of toilet games. And I find, I'm not sure if Fanke would like me saying this, but I find because it's a really short, um, short, quick and easy video game games. to play. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's all pixel art. It's very small. Basically, you have a variety of different levels, all which are completely different games. A lot of them are just one touch um, so you can so you can move a, a robot around the screen. Or, <laughs> I just get really worried about how much time you spend in the loo. Well, that's the, this is the this is the point. If you want to, I'm just what I'm saying. This game is very very quick. So I'm not saying I don't I don't do it for a, when I, when I'm when I'm making a quick trip. But you know, you sit no. there. Often you have your phone with you. And you can have a he eats game. a lot yeah. of he eats a lot of pizza, Sam. Has, has, has Sam has Polis got just... a digital app version of it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not playing kind of side <laughs> on the. On the <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing very oh, short games. Dear. I mean, there's there's a microtransaction element to it, but it's not intrusive, and it kind of mm-hmm. the 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 microtransaction element kind of comes in. Um, it's about kind of upgrading to a premium version of it, and what it does, it kind of it comes in every I don't know three or four kind of game type because you basically you move up between different games, and each game will have between five and ten levels. And then you'll move on to the next game type and it'll be five and ten levels. So kind of every past every three grouping of those, you'll have a thing where within the game, it's a bridge needs to be repaired. You need to wait X amount of time or press this button to skip. But it's there's nothing else between that. So it does stop you playing, but it gives you a good amount of play up to that as well. So, I mean, that's something that kind of got recommended to me kind of fr- through this. Um, and I've really been enjoying that. But I just wanted to kind of talk about that concept of looking at games from a different perspective and because i'm not gonna the, the kind of games that are being targeted towards like a three-year-old four-year-old they're not going to be games that i'm actively looking at because i'm not a three and four-year-old child um mm. and they're not kind of games where even as an adult you would typically play because they're not complex enough for, for an adult obviously there are plenty of games which are suitable for children which are still great um, but some of these really young kids ones aren't so it's a really nice um, kind of environment to be able to explore to understand and kind of look at it looks at games like flower and looking at kind of hope within games and what flower can do stuff like that and things like everybody's gone to the rapture all those kind of games these are on there and it looks at not just it's a game about this it looks kind of a bit under the surface which is something that we do a lot we don't look at a game just on its on its kind of core front screen. We look and see that stuff behind it. We look at Journey. We look at pretty much anything from that game company and see that it's not just pretty pixels. It's so much more beneath that. Yeah, and I think the true value of stuff like that is, you know, I know that um, so there's a, a games industry trade body called Yuki. Um, they're one of the two, I think we have in, mm-hmm. in, in Britain. And they're the, the the biggest one, I would say, um, uh, here in the UK. And they're very keen. I think, in fact, they might be supporting this endeavour. Um, uh, I think uh, I think it's called Ask About Games. Um, and essentially, the 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 whole uh, idea that Yuki is going with at the moment is, 
you know, there is misinformation out there about what games are about simply because they're called games and therefore, you know, people immediately assume that, oh, they are, they'll be fine for kids. You know, like, you know, my, my nephew and niece who are very young, uh, you know, my nephew especially is well into Grand Theft Auto 5 and he is 11? at time of recording so like you know you know you didn't sound so sure pete i think he's 11 or 12 something like that um and uh you know either way probably shouldn't you know shouldn't according to the certification be playing you know something along those lines but the thing is that i think a lot of people just think ah they're just games aren't they um whereas with films i don't think people have quite the same approach and equally i think there's a bunch of monetization things that have been around for a few years now that people really don't understand unless they've actually been in it for a while. You go and see a film, you pay your money, you get your popcorn, you sit down, you watch a thing, and then that's it. With a game now, it's a case of, you know, you pay your money and then maybe you pay some more money and then you play for a bit and then you get advertised something and maybe you pay a little bit more. And I think that unless you're fully into the space, and this is quite a, you know... Uh, quite a, a, a sort of high barrier to entry hobby at times. Um, I think unless you have somebody who's, you know, the, you know, the, oh, Jeff's Jeff's my pal. Jeff knows all about video games. I'll ask him whether or not they should be playing, you know, whether or not little Jimmy should be playing The Last of Us 2. You know, unless you've actually got that resource, um, it can be really difficult and really baffling, you know. Uh, so I think things like this are wonderful initiatives. And, and to break it down into things like, interested in photography these are these are some games in here the certification ratings for it i think that's a that's a brilliant idea it's great and dan have you come across a list of recommendations for your child that actually there's a kind of an overlap between a game that you actually wouldn't mind playing you know how like those great kids films are the ones that speak as much to adults as they do to kids and there's they're, they're almost happening on different frequencies there are jokes there that the adults get that the kids don't a toy story yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Shrek, I'm thinking of in particular as well. Mm. There's probably more recent versions, recent films. But, like, I mean, you get it in lots of Pixar films. Is there a kind of a game on the list where actually you're thinking, yeah, my three-year-old and myself, um, we could both enjoy that for different reasons? I think I'm not sure with him at his age whether or not there is um, kind of... whether well, there are content that I've seen that I would enjoy in the same way that I would enjoy kind of a Pixar film. So I think some of the Pixar films are absolute masterpieces. Um, mm. That doesn't mean so I wouldn't enjoy playing them, but it would be for a different reason. It would be... Yeah, yeah that no, that's joint, absolutely fine, of course, that, yeah. It would be that joint experience of watching him play a game as opposed to me getting something from that game as a, as a gamer type thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are, there, are, there, are, there are lists on there which is kind of like, one type like nurturing like three to six year olds and these kind of these are obviously going to be simple games and you can those kind of factoring kind of that some of the lego games and those kind of things as well so it's not just about a really simple mechanic some of them i mean you look at the lego games to a traditional gamer yes those aren't complex mechanics to someone just learning video games those are complex mechanics there's lots yeah, of, course, of things yeah. to be aware of I think there's there's plenty of you that you could both enjoy, like a short hike. I've played that, and it is an incredible game. Like, it, oh my god, that's superb! And um, what else is on this list? The Grow Up series, a bit more mechanic, mechanically um, complex, but again, that is uh, a game that I've I've really enjoyed. And snipper and snipper clips. <gasps> yes, 
Oh, it's going to be so much fun. You're going to have a great time. Oh, yeah, but I'm, ju- I'm just looking at kind of... And Donut games. County's on there as well. But those games aren't ready for my little boy right now, is, is what I mean. Mm. Mm. Absolutely yeah. some of the games that they'll put in Oh, he list. could play Donut County. I'll have to look at that. Oh, honestly, Dan, genuinely. He could play... He could genuinely... All he does is move it whole round and, and watch like, things fall the, into it the last level's a bit can be a bit fiddly but you can play it in one go and it is sometimes when I don't know what to do but I want a game but at the same time I don't want anything overly complex there's something quite satisfying about mm-hmm. just being in charge of a hole but just watching things drop into it and then the <laughs> hole gets bigger the more stuff that falls into it and then you eventually swallow up parts of a whole town and just the disinterested look of these these animal humanoids as they're getting swallowed up by this hole like, mm-hmm. oh, well, all good things come to an end. <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, oh, Frog Detective is on this list as well. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, Short Hike is also like, because you could you just go exploring. You just basically just, you know, you are going on a, on a short hike. Yeah, there's like this overarching mission that you might be more interested in than, than he is. But at the end of the day, he can just go and explore his world and like chat to a few funny characters. So... Yeah, that's great. Is there is there like a couch co-op game you can play where one character has really complex controls and the other one has very simple controls yes, that you're playing together? Yeah, there is. I yeah. was going to recommend it and then I completely forgot that you don't have a Switch, Dan. Um, the, um, uh, if, uh, actually, you, maybe you could get it on the Wii if you still... Do you still have a Wii? That's um, another toilet game in itself. <laughs> Uh, a good example of this, Chris. A good example of this, Chris, is a game called Super Mario Galaxy, um, uh, because the main. The, I've never uh, heard of in, that. That's have you not heard of it? The little company that could. Little company that could. Started out Super playing playing cut, making playing cards. Mario, did you say? Mario. He. Mario. Basically, the two-player, as it were, version of it is it's a co-op experience in which. Uh, one person controls Mario, does the jumping, does all the attacking, figures out where they need to go, solves all the puzzles, does all that sort of stuff. But the game was specifically made with this co-op mode whereby the other person just has the wand and picks up stars on oh, the yeah, screen. That's the other person. Ah. And, and Mario Odyssey has a similar thing with a cat. Does it? Yeah. So Mario Odyssey, you can basically you one player plays as Mario, does all the stuff, and the other person plays as Cappy. So literally, all they can they can just sit there with the with the with the Joy-Con, like flicking it about, like like attacking enemies, doing all lots of really simple stuff, cool. uh, whilst um, the other player plays Mario. That's so really, it's great. That sounds great. That's because that for me would be that that that's the kind of game for a parent to play with their child, isn't it? Almost one where. It's almost like the variable player powers you get in some war games, isn't it? Really. Mm. Well, it's a bit. It's a bit like you know, giving them. It's a bit like what we do with with our son, where we give him a card to make him feel like he's playing part of the game, mm-hmm. but he's not actually playing part of our game. And you know, I can give him a Joy-Con and he can wangle it around and see that something's happening on the screen that he is that he is doing, um, and feel like like that is something that I'm doing and I'm playing part of the action. So. Oh, that means I can play Super Mario Odyssey again. Oh, that's so good. What exciting times. What good excuses to go on Amazon <laughs> and buy Super Mario Odyssey again. <laughs> that was the 122nd episode of Staying In. 
with Daniel Frost, Peter Willington, Sam Turner and myself, Chris Darby. Many thanks to Cosmos for sending us a copy of the delightful Polis. And thank you, Santa, for Thousand-Year-Old Vampire. If you have any gaming recommendations for the parents, or if you just have a better translation of Polis, do get in touch via stayinginpod at gmail.com. If email's not your thing, you can reach us on all social media platforms. Yeah, I'm going to say it, all social media platforms. At stayinginpod is our handle for all of these. Right, I'm off to burn some calories on my smart hopscotch. Till next time. Bye.